1: Love Talk Radio.
0: I wanna put- the one and
1: only true living get the back. Welcome folks uh
2: to the uh Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Wow. I'm getting a little bit of uh feedback here from my show, but uh hopefully I'll have that resolved shortly.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about it. Liberals and their announcements that – well,
2: you know, liberals like to say that anyone who states that they want to take their country back… Well, they are somehow racist. It's racist to say that I want to take my country back, that to take my country back means that we want to take back from the Negroes who have commandeered the country by electing a black president. that somehow that's something that uh you know it's it's racist it's racist to say that you want to take your country back it's racist to say that i i'm a i'm a i'm a white man and now you have commandeered my country and now i want to take it back
1: so Here's the thing: as it as it's grown in influence
2: and power, the Tea Party movement is increasingly being attacked by fearful liberals looking for ways to paint it as racist. now we've seen this earlier today with a professor who has painted the Tea Party yet again as being racist but i'll tell you something right here and now folks i have been a member of the Tea Party since its inception and i have attended dozens upon dozens of Tea Party rallies and i've even forgotten some of the how many exactly how many rallies i have attended and i have i can i can honestly state that i have not seen one example of racism now some folks, black folks whom I happen to be uh friends with have said that well, you know, uh, I I've heard that they are um there there there's there's pictures of Obama with a with a noose around his neck. And i was like okay, so you've heard that there were pictures of Obama with a noose around his neck. Or a doll, or something. Now, where did you see this exactly? Well, I, I really, you know, I really, I don't, I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to, you know. Let's not talk about politics. Oh, but you threw that out there. You threw it out there that there are pictures of Obama with a noose around his neck. And now you're just going to leave it at that. Now you don't want to talk about it. When we conservatives start asking for the facts, that's when the conversation starts to turn ugly. Because Democrats will say, "Well, you know, uh, I heard about this and I heard about that," and you know, well, I. And then you start say, you, "You ask, okay, so where'd you hear this?" and you know well what about the fact that you know the tea party was founded uh because w- members of the communities across the country f- were feeling like they were being overtaxed like the government was taking over the the every aspect of their everyday lives and they just wanted to put a stop to it not unlike what occurred during the American Revolution when uh the colonists felt like they were being overtaxed and that the um, that England was taking over and managing every aspect of the colonials' uh, lives. It's there's no difference there. Was it racist then? Well, why is it racist now? I mean, these are these are um, legitimate questions, are they not? I mean, I would think so. So considering how many liberals use the phrase, we want to take my country back, during uh, Bush 43's administration, it seems to me that there's a double standard here. And isn't there always? Isn't there always a double standard here? We're talking about extreme portions of the Tea Party movement, and they're overwhelmingly white. This is what we're hearing. Quote, we're talking about the extreme portions of the Tea Party movement, and they're overwhelmingly white. Those are the folks that are saying, I want my country back, end quote. No, no, no. I'm part of the Tea Party movement, and I've attended all of the rallies that that are in my area, and even some in D.C., Miami, parts of Virginia. And I've been saying overwhelmingly that I want my country back. Does that make me a racist? Does that make me a bigot? I'm, after all, I'm I'm black. But here we are. Those are the folks that are saying we want our country back. Those racist white tea partiers. Washington Post columnist Jonathan Caphart said on today's Morning Joe, and I quote, and it does have that tinge of I want my country back for them, end quote. The word racism was never mentioned, but check out the video that I have that I'm going to play in a little bit. It gives you, uh, you know, well, you can't see it, but you can hear the condescending tone, the implications there. You can hear it. So, Let's talk about it. The call in number 347 884 8500 Let's talk about it. Now my good friend G Ski Rocks is back on the air, and I'm so happy about that. His show is coming up in a, you know right after mine. And it's called American Airways, and it's a great show. And I, I would I would urge you to uh to listen to it. Um, But I do have a clip, (laughs) and it's hilarious. It's called How Smart Is Your President? And it's produced by my main man, G-Ski. Take a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation.
0: Hello, and
3: welcome to How Smart Is Your President, a game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And now, here's your host, G.C. Ross! Thank you, thank you. You are too kind, thank you. Hello everybody, and welcome to How Smart is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And of course, here's our guest, here's our player. Let's everybody welcome President... Barack Hussein Obama! Hello everybody, welcome to the show. We want to thank you for hanging out with us. Welcome to How Smart Is Your President? Testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. Our player for today, of course, the President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Now we went over the rules backstage. The game is very simple. We're going to ask you a series of questions, and you hit the fancy smancy buzzer to answer the question. And we're going to start off right now. Question number one. How many states make up the United States of America?
1: Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go.
3: Sorry, Mr. President. The answer to the question is 50. 50 states make up the United States of America. Next question. Name one European country.
4: Compared to countries like Europe?
3: Sorry, Mr. President. Europe is not a country. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Next question. What is one of the treatments For asthma, a breathalyzer or inhalator, not a breathalyzer. Sorry, Mr. President, you meant to say inhaler. Inhaler was the answer that you were looking for. All right, next question. Okay, as the president of the United States of America, recite for me the First Amendment. ...of the United States Constitution.
0: The, uh, I, I guess... I, I, hold on a second. So, so, uh, so all I'm... All, all, all I, I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't start... Don't, hold, hold on.
3: Sorry, Mr. President. Time's up. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution states as follows. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances something that you clearly know nothing about anyway moving on last and final question Mr. President Name the Mexican holiday in the month of May. The cinco de cuatro. Sorry, Mr. President, that was the wrong answer. You said four of five. The answer to the question is cinco de mayo, the fifth of May. That is the correct answer, and you are wrong again. Well, that's all the time that we have, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us next time when we play How Smart Is Your President? Testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. I'm your host, G.C. Rock, and I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all.
2: to the Dr. C. Robert Jones situation report. You know, I'm hearing a lot about and reading a lot about the um the CIA uh the documents uh outlining CI the CIA's torturing of uh, prisoners, um waterboarding, uh sleep deprivation, playing loud music. Oh man and that's torture, I guess. Depending upon what type of music you're playing, but you know, I attended. Uh, I, I am a product of Sears training, uh, survival rescue training as a as a Marine, as a combat Marine, as a fighter pilot, and I can tell you something right now. I, I can tell you from based on my knowledge of the CIA's. Uh, 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 interrogation tactics and what I went through in my training in the 80s I was I can say unequivocally and without reservation that I endured much harsher treatment as a training exercise than any of these current uh, (laughs) combatants have, uh, have experienced. If all that is occurring is sleep deprivation, uh, loud music, and waterboarding. Then I wish that that my training had consisted consisted only of that. I remember being placed in a box where I could barely fit into a box. Imagine a coffin stood up and. It's just a size or so too small for you. Now imagine being placed in that box and then being lowered into the ground, into a hole in the ground. You are barely able to breathe. There is a crack in the box just wide enough for you to get a little bit of air. Now the trick is not to panic and start screaming, but to keep your cool Keep calm, force yourself to stay calm, and breathe that little bit of air that's coming into the box. You see, that was the the test. Now, while others were screaming and thrashing about in their boxes and crying for their mamas, I managed to barely hold on and keep my cool. Now, here... In this day and age, treat a combatant like that, treat a terrorist that way, and Democrats will ask you to apologize. No, they will demand an apology. They will demand that the Central Intelligence Agency Congress, – Congresswoman Jackie Speier, a Democrat from California of course, told MSE's Craig Melvin that – the CIA should absolutely issue an apology after Tuesday's release of the Senate Intelligence Committee's report on CIA interrogation tactics. Speer said she was shocked by the report and said that that is not what this country is about. We've got to shut this down. Wow. Every single page that had something in the Executive summary that shocked me," she said. Okay. Well, you know, here's the thing: we we're, we're trained, and 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 we have something called the Geneva Convention, uh, where um, we're taught um, little things, like for example, if a paratrooper is uh, an an enemy paratrooper, let's say a terrorist from the Middle East, is paratrooping, jumping out of an aircraft, and he is in his chute, and his chute's coming down, and we know he's a terrorist. We know he's strapped with a dirty bomb. Well, under, under our military rules of engagement and the Geneva Convention, we are not allowed to shoot this terrorist while he is still in the air in his chute. We must wait until he his feet touches the ground and he's no longer in the air. I'm not kidding you, I'm not kidding at all and this is what how we were trained now. Imagine I've spent thirty two years as a marine well thirty one in some months, okay, so I'm rounding it off so This is how I was trained. Now, can you imagine a terrorist saying, uh, 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 Abdul blah, 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 saying, okay, this Marine's coming down, and his intention is to kill me and everybody around me, but I'm just going to go ahead and wait until his toes touch the ground before I blow his ass up, before I shoot him down. No. Sometimes... Even we Americans have to get a little down and dirty in order to protect American lives, and I have no problem whatsoever with torturing someone who intends to kill me and my entire family and the families of everybody else I know and people I don't know. I don't have a problem with CIA interrogation techniques when they are trying to protect our country and keep us safe. And of course, no apology should be issued. None, mind you. This is a non-deal. Let that stuff go. And if you do have a problem with it and you're in power and you're a Democrat, okay – Perhaps it's your prerogative to admonish those who carry carry out those tactics, because hey, I guess if you're the president of the United States, you don't want that stuff happening on your watch, okay? Then just go, you know, go over across the street, go down the road, and tell the guys to stop. But no, Democrats have to make a really big show of this whole thing and say that we're we're not about torture, we're not about well, okay. I'm kind of thinking back to
1: 9-11
2: and watching men and women jump 90 stories for their lives. Men and women, unspeakable horrors, death, destruction. Those terrorists had no problem doing what they did. And frankly, I have no problem doing the same damn thing. Only more so wholesale. You know, as a Marine, uh, you know, we like to say, well, nobody wants to fight, but we should be ready. We should know how. That's a bunch of crap. I love a good fight. And I'm all what Patton said. All real Americans love the sting of battle. All real Americans love to get down and dirty in a fight. And we don't like to lose. And we won't lose. But, you know, like Hillary said a few days back to some crowd, some liberal crowd somewhere, we should understand our enemies. We should – we should – you know, kind of empathize with them and, and kind of feel where they're coming from. You know, they're just people too. Am I right? They're just people just like you and me. Let's try to sing whole hands and sing kumbaya. Maybe maybe they'll come over to our way of thinking. Maybe they'll decide that, well, you know, I guess you you Americans aren't so bad. Maybe we had it all wrong. Imagine some ISIS leader coming over to America and say, you know what? What the hell is going on here? Why are we all at each other's throats like this? You know, if you understand, I'm, t- I'm speaking as the ISIS terrorist here who just beheaded an American a few days ago. If Okay, let's put aside the fact that we just beheaded an American. And video to, videoed it and sent it over for YouTube, and threatened to behead quite a few more, including the families of service members and so on and so forth. And guess what? We're going to behead another couple of dudes, you know, and uh, a few in a couple of weeks. We're just letting them sweat it out for a while. But you know what? Let's put all that aside. Let's try to understand each other. Let's try to let's try to come together. If you can understand why I'm chopping off the heads of your American citizens, then maybe we'll get somewhere. Can you imagine this woman as the president of the United States of America? Who's going to vote for her? We need to understand our enemy. Yeah, we need to understand them just well enough so we can figure out how to kill them without any of us dying. Because I'm not the guy who wants to die for his country. No, I want to make the other poor dumb bastard die for his. Hillary, let's all just kiss and hug, and it'll all be good. The torture report, as it's being labeled on MSNBC and CNN, guess what? I'm all for it. The CIA's interrogation program is all good with me. It's all good. And they have nothing whatsoever to apologize for. It's just some sick liberal idea that we should apologize and empathize and understand. I can guarantee that Hillary wouldn't understand and empathize if her ass was in her her, her fat white ass was in the noose. If she was knelt in orange. And about to have her head lobbed off, I guarantee that she wouldn't be all about let's hug, let's let's talk. Can we? Can you imagine her dressed in orange and saying, you know, I just want to understand you, ISIS terrorist. I just want to kind of see where you're coming from. It wouldn't be the case. Come on. What is going on? Now, and you know what? Here's the thing. Being a historian, I know these things are cyclical. You know, when when we we in this generation, in this age, talk about history. No, when we talk about what's going on today, in terms of Congresswomen and men, women like uh, Jackie Spire, Democrat from California, saying that these things made her sick to her stomach and she's demanding an apology no when back in the days when we had a secretary of war you know back in those old days there there was there were there were congresswomen Jackie Spears back then america has always had these people and always will but the trick to keeping this country safe and making sure that america lasts another few hundred years which is going to be very difficult to do is to ignore these people as best you can ignore hillary clinton when she starts whining about we should kiss everybody's ass and try to understand them ignore this clown jackie sprawl she'll go away sooner or later most likely she's going to lose her seat too sooner pretty you know neck necks go around So understand, folks, that we have always had these people here, and if it weren't for strong men and women like you and me and uh, the Teddy Roosevelt's and and the Ronald Reagan's and so on, and even the Richard Nixon's, if it weren't for people like them, if it weren't for people like us, this country would have been laid waste to a long time ago. Because even you and me, who were on the playground as kids, realized early on that you cannot talk your way out of a fight. You cannot reason with a person on the schoolyard playground who wants to whoop you. You're going to have to either run or throw down. And a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, let's just imagine this. The schoolyard bully and the schoolyard fights that we've all had, imagine them on a much larger scale. Country against country, faction against faction, and so on. You either run or you throw down. You cannot talk your way out of an ass-whooping. And what ISIS And the Taliban and all these other factions want is to whoop our asses, to destroy us. We cannot talk our way out of that. It's going to go down one way or the other. Listen to me and listen to me good. There are people out there in your daily lives, even in your families, your wives, your wives, your children, your friends, and other people. And remember this one thing, and you take this as if it came from your own daddy. There are some people out there that you cannot reason with, you cannot bargain with, you cannot threaten, you cannot cajole. They will not hear you. They will not hear you no matter what you say or what you do. A lot of us have experienced this in our daily lives imagine it on a grander scale now people like the the good congresswoman from california believes that well we shouldn't engage in and stoop to their level we shouldn't we shouldn't torture to get information oh yeah yeah we should we should torture and we should torture well And Hillary. Well, we need to understand. We need to empathize with our enemies. No, we need to kill them and kill them dead. End of story. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. oh, you talk all tough. Yeah, you talking tough now. You know what? <laughs> I am a combat Marine, baby. I'm not a stage side office pogey. I am not someone who spent his career behind a desk somewhere. I joined the Corps at 17. I stayed forever. I stayed some people's lifetimes. I know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people that you simply cannot reason with. And they will not hear you. Now, let's go back to our our topic here Taking back America. We want our country back. Taking back America wasn't racist until liberals stopped saying it. Now, I don't have my clip of 13 prominent liberals saying we want our country back, but I have had earlier today. I talked to an associate of mine, and she started harping on the Tea Party and this whole idea of Republicans, conservatives using the the statement, we want to take our country back. And I reminded her earlier today that a boatload of Democrats use the very same verbiage exactly – during the Bush administration, and even as far back as the Reagan administration, yeah, indeed, liberals, well, of course, you can imagine that she had no response for that. well, you know you know what happens when you start talking about facts, when you start when they start throwing conjecture your way and sort of like half truths and untruths, and then you respond with facts. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You start responding with facts, and they'll start to say, "Well, you know, I don't think we should talk about politics let's not talk about let's talk about something let's not how you know just by and then they start talking about politics even more about how they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's hilarious, okay, all right, listen to me now, a Washington post columnist Richard Cohen. Recently, decried, and I quote, "All this talk about taking back America from whom?" End quote. Well, from whom? From liberals like Congressman Jackie Speier, or Spear, from Barack Hussein Obama, who. Wants to and has in some ways accomplished his goal of fundamentally transforming the United States of America. We're no longer the world's greatest superpower. Some can argue that. And certainly recently, China has been put upon the pedestal of being the top economic country, economic growing, uh, economic uh, country on the planet. Now, we're no longer number one. We are no longer number one, folks. Barack Hussein Obama has come into office. He's been in office for six years, and now America has slidden, uh, has taken a slide below China in terms of economic growth. Wow. Obama is turning the United States of America into a third world banana republic. He's the kind of guy we want to take our country back from. That's from whom? A Huffington Post columnist claimed that, quote, the idea perpetuated by the Tea Party movement is to, quote, take back our country, end quote, from,
1: well, white folks, black folks? Who? Who?
2: The Tea Party wants to take our country back from those who would oppress us, not from outside the country, but from within. We want our taxes lowered, and we don't want to be taxed. 60, 70, 80% of our salaries. We don't want the government all up in our business telling us how much salt to put on our food, how much water to drink, how much food to eat, what kinds of food to eat, how to raise our children. We want the government to back up, take a step back. That, in a nutshell, is what the Tea Party is all about. And It's got nothing to do with skin color, white, black, etc., etc., etc. Nothing. Dig it. Even Mad Men star John Hamm managed to expose the racist secret agenda of the Tea Party, represented in the whole idea we need to take back America. We need to take back America from liberals, whether they're white, black, be damned got nothing to do with any of that so we have the standards saying you want to take the country back and saying that wanting to take the country back is racist because well well i'm not really sure why let's ask some liberals after all they were particularly fond of the phrase during the bush administration they used it a lot in declaring his run for the presidency, Howard Dean told a crowd in Burlington, Vermont. Remember when Howard? Remember Howard Dean? He told a crowd in Burlington, uh, in Burlington, Vermont, "quote, You have the power to take our country back." End quote. A little more than half a year later, when Dean was ousted from the Democrat Party, he said the same thing once again. Nine days later, he again said, quote, I'll be doing everything that I can to make sure that John Kerry and John Edwards take this country back, end quote. In fact, Howard Dean was such a fan of the phrase, he even wrote two books incorporating it into their titles, You Have the Power to Take Back Our Country and Restore Democracy in America, and the other book, Winning back America. From whom? He doesn't say who, but clearly he must be a racist. As is Hillary Clinton, in a stunning show of racial bigotry, Clinton opened her 2008 run for the presidency by declaring that she would, yeah, you guessed it, take our country back. I didn't put the quotes in there, but you you understand. Chuck Schumer also racist. After the 2006 midterms, he stated, quote, we really care about taking our country back. So far, so good, end quote. Prominent Democrat strategist James Carville and Paul Begala, also two of the biggest racists on the planet, <laughs> they co-authored a book in the run-up to the last presidential election, titled, quote, yeah, you got it, take it back. A battle plan for democratic victory, end quote. All these damn liberal racists. And how about the racist <laughs> the racist uh, Katrina uh, Vandal, uh, Vandal ca- racist Katrina, racist Katrina Vandal, Herbal, editor of the far-left, near-bankrupt magazine, The Nation. She, also a racist. Yeah, because she penned the book titled Taking Back America. Liberal talk show host, Storm Hardman. I never heard of him, also cannot restrain his racial views by his book. Quote, we the people. A call to take back America. I guess, yeah, it that's clearly re- rooted in bigotry. But, you know, you get the picture, don't you folks? You get the picture that, well, I guess it's only racist if you're a conservative. Is that right? Now, let's contrast that with my main man. From the great state of Louisiana, who states emphatically why he is a Republican and why he wants to take his country back and the reasons why, Elbert Gilroy, why I'm a Republican. He's the senator, newly minted senator from the great state of Louisiana. Hello. Listen up.
4: My name is Elbert Lee Gilroy, and I'm the senator for the 24th District right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently, I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican, and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me, but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created the illusion that their agenda and their policies are what's best for black people. Somehow it's been forgotten that the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an abolitionist movement with one simple creed that slavery is a violation of the rights of man. Frederick Douglass called Republicans the party of freedom and progress, and the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln the author of the Emancipation Proclamation. It was Republicans in Congress who authored the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, giving former slaves citizenship, voting rights, and due process of law. The Democrats, on the other hand, were the party of Jim Crow. It was Democrats who defended the rights of slave owners. It was the Republican President Dwight Eisenhower who championed the Civil Rights Act of 1957, but it was the Democrats in the Senate who filibustered the bill. You see, at the heart of liberalism is the idea that only a great and powerful big government can be the benefactor of social justice for all Americans. But the left is only concerned with one thing, control. And they disguise this control as charity. Programs such as welfare, food stamps, These programs aren't designed to lift black Americans out of poverty. They were always intended as a mechanism for politicians to control the black community. The idea that blacks, or anyone for that matter, need the government to get ahead in life is despicable. And even more important, this idea is a failure. Our communities are just as poor as they have always been. Our schools continue to fail children. Our prisons are filled with young black men who should be at home, being fathers. Our self-initiative and our self-reliance have been sacrificed in exchange for allegiance to our overseers who control us by making us dependent on them. Sometimes I wonder if the word freedom is tossed around so frequently in our society that it has become a cliché. The idea of freedom is complex and it's all-encompassing. It's the idea that the economy must remain free of government persuasion. It's the idea that the press must operate without government intrusion. And it's the idea that the emails and phone records of Americans should remain free from government search and seizure. It's the idea that parents must be the decision makers in regards to their children's education, not some government bureaucrat. But most importantly, it is the idea that the individual must be free to pursue his or her own happiness, free from government dependence and free from government control. Because to be truly free is to be reliant on no one other than the author of our destiny. These are the ideas at the core of the Republican Party and it is why I am a Republican. So my brothers and sisters of the American community, Please join with me today in abandoning the government plantation and the party of disappointment so that we may all echo the words of one Republican leader who famously said, Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last.
2: All right. Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I couldn't have said it better myself. In fact, I didn't have to, because he just did. Is there no greater reason, is there no more nobler reason to, to be a Republican than the words that the great senator from Louisiana just enumerated? Liberals. Why? Why are some – why are the same liberal commentators that we hear every single day bloviating about Tea Party racism, why are they not also condemning the racism in their own ranks? For one of two reasons, dishonesty or bias. Either they're simply grabbing at straws in an attempt to smear an entire political movement or to – the take our country back mantra confirms their already held bias about the movement. Liberals already believe that the Tea Party is a racist movement, even though a great many blacks are Tea Partiers and Hispanics. I can attest to that with great honesty. Well, if they don't believe that it's a racist movement, they at least believe that. It contains prominent racist elements, which I can say no. So the take-our-country-back line fits perfectly with the view of the movement that already suspects it's a fan of racial discrimination. Liberals, on the other hand, are not racist, the argument goes, so their use of the term doesn't demonstrate racism. That's the argument. How can – so liberals – Liberals, there are no racist liberals? Or are there very few? Hmm, That's something to ponder, isn't it? So, we arrive at the circular. The circular, nonsensical nature of the argument. Since the Tea Party is racist, their insistency that take the country back is really a call for a return to institutionalized racism and perhaps even slavery. Huh? (laughs) But how do they know they're racist? Because they want to take the country back, I guess. But liberals have said they want to take the country back. So why isn't that also indicative of racism? Because liberals aren't racist. It makes no sense. But then media liberals rarely mind their massive glass houses while they toss stones at the Tea Party. Remember the aforementioned example, the next time a reporter cries foul at Tea Party calls? To take our country back. All right. Well, we've got about six minutes left. I want to touch on a couple of things. Was Michelle Obama the first black first lady? Do you know which one of your bills features a black man? You might be surprised at the historical figures you didn't know were black. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time to get into all of it today, but let me start with one of my guys here, J. Edgar Hoover. Now, Hitler's Jewish ancestry isn't the strangest twist in racial history. FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, the man who plagued the Black Liberation Movement from Marcus Garvey to the Black Panther Party, was known by his peers – as a passing black man. Oh, yeah. His childhood neighbor, writer Gore Vidal, famously quoted, and I quote, It was always said in my family and around the city that Hoover was mulatto and that he came from a family that passed, end quote. Passed means passed for blacks. And apparently that was a closely guarded secret. secret. Millie McGee, author of Secrets Uncovered, J. Edgar Hoover, Passing for White, said, In the late 1950s, I was a young girl growing up in rural Macomb, Mississippi. A story had been passed down through several generations that the land we lived on was owned by the Hoover family. My grandfather told me that this powerful man... Edgar was his second cousin and was passing for white. If we talked about this, he was so powerful that he could have us all killed. I grew up terrified about this, End quote. Can you imagine? J. Edgar Hoover? Secretly?
1: A black man? Huh.
2: Think about it. Think about it. Do your own research and your own homework. Don't take my word for any of this. I'm just a, a lowly historian from the from the College of William and Mary. I, I, you know, I'm not all that. Uh, but hey, do your own research. I've done mine. Let's go with one. Let's go with one more before we end the show for today. One more, and 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 he's going to be a doozy. He is going to be... You're never going to guess this guy. All right. Here it is. Clark Gable. (laughs) Yeah, baby. The original tall, dark, and handsome actor. Clark Gable didn't hide his Black and Native American heritage. When he saw colored and White Bathrooms on the set of Gone with the Wind, he refused to continue working until all of the cast members were treated equally. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Clark Gable. Part. I knew that. I, I knew there was something I loved about the guy. Of course, I read his biography, and I already knew this. But how many of you take time out of your daily lives to, 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 to get to know these things? Not a lot of people do. Tomorrow we're going to come up with a couple more. You're going to be so surprised. Of course, you all knew that the author of The Three Musketeers and the Count of Monte Cristo, Alexander Dumas, was the son of General Dumas, born in 1762 to a white father and an enslaved mother. General Dumas was such a good general that he made his rival Napoleon Bonaparte nervous. Thanks to Napoleon's machinations the general ended up in prison in a dungeon in a, in a dungeon for quite a few years. And that story inspired Alexander to write The Count of Monte Cristo about his father. So yes, the writer of The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo, Black as the Ace of Spades. <laughs> Don't you love it?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, well Folks, we've had – our day is at an end. Our time is at an end for now. But, hey, tomorrow it's going to be even better. I had a few technical glitches during this show that I had to deal with, and that sometimes happens. But I want to thank you for listening tonight. And I know there's so many things you could be doing, but you take time to listen to my show, and I do so appreciate you for doing so. Everybody, G-Ski Show is coming up in just a few minutes. G-Ski Rocks, American uh, Airwaves – We'll look for it. Just just type in the search box, G Ski, and he'll you know, it, yeah, yeah. I'm going. I'm headed there right now. God bless you. God bless America. Thanks for listening to the show. We're out.
1: Through early morning fog, I see visions of the things to be, the pains that are withheld for me. I realize and I can see That suicide is painless It brings on many changes And I can take or leave it If I please The game of life is hard to play Gonna lose it anyway. The losing card I'll someday lay. So this is all I have to say. it's great.